Sportsnet 960, the fan here. Sportsnet today's trade deadline coverage shows brought to you by Tuxedo Source for Sports. It may be trade deadline season, but it's time to gear up for another great ball season. Southern Alberta's best selection of bats, gloves, and everything else you need to be at the top of your game is at Tuxedo Source for Sports, 2520 Center Street North. I'm not alone anymore. Derek Wills has joined me. How you like? How you doing, Derek? I'm hanging in there. How about you? Oh, you know what? I know we have similar rides in down here, so I know it's a little bit tough. Well, today was easy compared was to easy. earlier yeah. in the week. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday, I think it took me an hour Dude. and 10 minutes to get to the Dome from Cochrane. Yeah, yeah, it makes yeah. sense with the snow. A sketchy. That time of day, yeah, it's it's not fun. Uh, we had a couple trades. I uh, had one trade there before the break. Uh, had Curtis Lazar being sent out of Vancouver, head into New Jersey for a little bit of a playoff run. In exchange, uh, the Devils send a fourth rounder in 2024. And during the break, a uh, bit of a tough guy trade here. The LA Kings uh, have traded for uh, Zach McEwen from the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for Brandon Lemieux and a fifth round pick. Uh, these are the trades we thought. Maybe, you know, Jeff Merrick said earlier tonight, this would be the time, you know, one year deals. These are the rental guys that'll be going. Smaller deals, still waiting on some bigger fish to go here for sure. But, uh, Overall, what are your thoughts of this trade deadline extravaganza? It's been a two-week affair. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on it so far? Well, most of the major moves have already been made, yeah. unless there's one that comes out of left field. And there usually yeah. are one or two trades that come out of left field. So we'll see what happens before the 1 p.m. Mountain Time deadline today. But it's yeah been a busy couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, we wondered if uh, the Flames would be active. Mm-hmm. To this point, they have been... One of the two teams that has not been active, the Flames and the Panthers, ironically, who made uh, the biggest trade of the offseason with Matthew Kachuk going to Florida and, of course, Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, Cole Schwint, and a first-round pick Mm -hmm. coming to Calgary. So we'll see if those two teams uh, do something between now and 1 p.m. But, you know, some minor moves today. I actually like the Blues acquiring Jacob Vrana. I really liked him when he was with the Capitals, and uh, he was uh, a big piece coming back in that trade that they made and the uh, got oh up to a what trade was that? Uh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Got up to a, a good start with the Red Wings and then obviously fell out of favor there. But the Blues acquire him and get the Red Wings to eat 50% of his contract. So uh, I think he is uh, a good reclamation project. Curtis Lazar going to the Devils. That's a good depth ad for them in return for a fourth-round pick. Curtis is a great guy and can easily fit into any group. And it sounds like he's really excited to be joining a Stanley Cup contender. So uh, knowing him, I'm really happy for him that uh, he's going to the Devils. And uh, some smaller moves uh, late yesterday, and I'm sure many more to come today. Yeah, the Max Domi trade was probably the last, you know, of the guys that was probably floating around a top 10, a lot of uh, trade target boards. Max Domi uh, being sent out uh, from Chicago to Dallas. That's probably the, they're done. I mean, Dallas has probably got a team they think they can get to the Stanley Cup final uh, with that goaltending. And Max Domi, who, you know, last time he was in the postseason, he was a very big player for the Carolina Hurricanes. He played really well there. So I think that's a great move for the Dallas uh, Stars adding Max Domi. Uh, and Bring, versatile as well. Oh my God! Can yeah, play center of the, and wing. the wing, exactly. And he, he can get uh, he can get tough when he needs to as well, uh, for sure. And it helps you know, having his dad being Ty and all that. But uh, we're obviously we'll talk about the Flames here. 
last night was uh, two in a row now of games where, hey, you, you deserve a better fate. Maybe, maybe not mm. last night as much, but definitely against Boston. Last night, Toronto, that was a that was a really good effort from Toronto compared to what they were against Edmonton. And I think Gio said it in the post game. Like that was one of their best third periods they played in a close game this season. Yeah, I was worried about uh, what the Maple Leafs would offer the Flames uh, when I saw them get yeah. their butts kicked by the Oilers 5-2 uh, on Wednesday night. And uh, the Maple Leafs had won that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have felt uh, a lot better about the Flames' chances going into last night's game with it being the second half of uh, back-to-back and uh, playing the, I'd call him number three goaltender, uh, just uh, the third start of the season. But uh, you know, Justin Wall was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a game the Flames... Uh, had uh, the lead in, you score before the three-minute mark of the first period, uh, a shorthanded goal that gives you a one nothing lead, mm-hmm. and then you don't score again. And I really felt for Jacob Markstrom last night. I thought he played his best game of the season. I thought he was mm-hmm. hands down the Flames' best player. Yep. And it was a conversation that we had uh, following the game against the Bruins on Tuesday. Okay. So Jacob Markstrom was clearly the number one goaltender to start the season, mm-hmm. and Dan Vladar was clearly the number two. And... Uh, Jacob's fought it this season. There's yep. no doubt about it. And Dan was having a pretty good season as the number two guy. So you come out of the nine-day break and things aren't going well for mm-hmm. your number one goaltender and to a lesser extent your number two guy and aren't going well for the team. So the coaches decided to try something new. And you know, basically it became an open competition. Well, that didn't work either. Mm-hmm. And what I said on Tuesday night was, and I wasn't a big fan of the win and you're in, uh, the flip-flopping back and forth between the two goaltenders. Yeah. I understood why the coaches did it because what's the definition of insanity? Uh, the so they were trying to do over. they were trying to do something different to yeah. see if it would work, but it didn't work. So you know, I, I said you've got to hit your wagon to one horse here. And mm-hmm. Jacob Markstrom is being paid to be an elite goaltender. Yep. Has been an elite goaltender. Was last season when he finished second in the Vezina Trophy race, and I believe will be again. And last night. He looked like a number one goaltender, like an elite goaltender. Yep. He was outstanding against the Maple Leafs and, and gave the Flames a chance to win that hockey game, and they let him down. There have been too many games this season, Patrick, where Jacob Markstrom has played well enough to win, and the Flames have scored one goal. Yep. Uh, and I yep. mean, the difference in goal support, I'm going to try to stop using the term run support because yeah. that's a baseball <laughs> term. We'll go with goal support, more sure. of a hockey term. Yeah. But the difference in goals that the team has scored for Dan in comparison to Jacob is astounding. Mm-hmm. I can't even wrap my head around it. I still think it's more of a statistical anomaly than anything else, but it's you know more than three quarters of a goal per game. Yeah. Uh, that's a big difference over the course of 62 games. So uh, I felt bad for Jacob last night. Uh, Daryl Sutter basically said on Wednesday, what we were hoping uh, he would say when we talked about it post game on Tuesday, that mm-hmm. he's going to give Jacob Markstrom a chance to get hot down the stretch. And I think that's the flames best chance. I'll say this, even though they lost last night to one of the best teams in the league mm-hmm. and the Maple Leafs played a really good road game last night. If Jacob Markstrom plays moving forward, like he played last yeah. night, he'll give the flames a chance to get back in the playoff race 100%. and get to the postseason. But they're going to need him to get on a, a roll. And right. last night was a good start. But they need to score more goals. You can't beat anybody with one goal in this league, especially not a top team like the Maple Leafs. So uh, I would say that the Flames played a great game on Tuesday night against the Bruins and absolutely should have won that game. They had a season-high 57 shots. Yeah, The Bruins had a season-low 20 shots. Mm-hmm. 
They were the hottest team in the league, the best team in the league. And really, Tuesday night, in a nutshell, was the season for both Calgary and Boston. Yeah. Nothing's gone right for the Flames. Everything's gone right for the Bruins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's what happened in in their 4-3 overtime win for the Bruins. So uh, that had to be a gut punch for the Flames. and, And maybe there was a little bit of a hangover from that game against the Maple Leafs last night. But... Ultimately, they can't afford to leave many more points on the table. And yeah. they're going to have to play probably 750 hockey and get some help in their final 20 games to get in. Do they have the potential to do it? Yes. I, I just wonder about the belief at this point in time. Yeah, uh, just looking at their schedule, there are, like we said, they, they, they have always had this for the, since the second half of the year. It's been They got the easy, second easiest or the first easiest schedule left. They haven't really used that to their advantage. And I'm looking at it, like these next, you got two of the next three games, Minnesota. You mentioned it in your hit with the boys earlier. Like Minnesota's a team that, you know, they're proverbial four pointers. I know they're nine ahead up now. You know, you get these two in the Dallas sandwiched in the middle there. We know what it is with Dallas. Last time you were down there in Dallas, it was the complete opposite of, of what it was in the postseason. The crazy game on the on that Saturday afternoon. It's a, it's, it's, Scary, man. It is scary to see that this team, from where they were, they won the off season, and we know, like, oh, you win the off season. Well, what does it matter in the regular season? It's, it, it's like we've heard state of shock with this team. They just don't know. You're you're in the locker room more than I am for sure. And I, like, you hear it last night with Blake Coleman. That's a that's a broken down guy. Yeah. It feels like. And, and you know what? I heard. I didn't hear what Blake said after the game. I just heard it this morning yeah. on my way in. I couldn't have put it more perfectly myself yeah. and not just the words that he used, but the tone that he used. Yeah. And you know what? Blake Coleman, a guy who won two Stanley cups with the lightning, a consummate professional mm-hmm. who has had a really strong second half of the season, blaming himself for not capitalizing on more of the scoring opportunities that him and his line created last night. Yep. Tells you how accountable he is. He, he would be right near the bottom of the list of players to blame for what happened last night. 100%. Jacob Markstrom's at the bottom. Yep. And then I would pro- probably put Blake Coleman second from the bottom yeah. and Michael Backlund third from the bottom. Once again, it was those two guys specifically uh, and Andrew Mangiapane as mm-hmm. part of what has been the Flames' best line yep. for a good chunk of the season that drove the bus. But as Ryan Huska said to us postgame last night, too many of the Flames' top players didn't play to their potential. And that's been a big story this season. And when you're going up against an elite team with the likes of Mitch Marner, who was electric last night and could have had another five point game, if not for Jacob Markstrom and Austin Matthews. And they've got a bunch of guys, John Tavares, and they're loaded. Mm -hmm. Um, You need your best players to be your best players and not enough of the flames. Best players uh, were even close to being at their best last night. So, I guess the good news is the hard part of the schedule, quote-unquote hard part of the schedule, uh, is over and done with. If you look at tankathon.com, based on what has happened to this point in the season, the Flames have the second easiest strength of schedule remaining. So they've got 20 games to go, and their opponents have picked up, on average, 1.032 points per game. Only the Avalanche have an easier schedule. But here's the problem. The Flames have left too many points on the table against non-playoff teams. Yep. They're going to have to change that in their final 20 games. I think they've played their best hockey against the top teams, teams in the league. Yeah. Hell yeah. And the Bruins game being the best example yeah. of that on Tuesday night. 
So you look at the next three games, and as I said to George and Matt uh, when I joined them this morning, the next three games really will determine whether or not this team is even in a fight for a playoff spot moving forward. What do you think? Is it, a, is it, is it six points here? Is it like five, four? Probably five. Yeah. Yeah, and you probably need four against the, the Wild. Yeah, you, need to you probably the wild. need to pick up four against them and also keep them from getting any. Yeah. Right. If if you get one against the Stars, I think you can live with that. But I think you've got to get four with two regulation wins versus the Wild. And uh, I, I was saying I wish the trade deadline was next Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, or Friday yeah. because uh, we'll have a much clearer picture of where the Flames stand. And don't get me wrong; they're not in a good spot. They're going to have to go on a hot streak, their hottest streak of the season. They've only had three game winning streaks. That's it. They're going to have to have a longer one. And they're going to have to get some help, which is the tough thing because even when they do win, everybody around them seems to win or at least pick up points. So it's hard to gain ground. Yeah. The, the two things they have going for them, number one, their strength of schedule, being the second easiest in the league. And number two, they only have to catch one team. This isn't like the pandemic season where yeah. they were playing in that all-Canadian division. Bunch of teams to leap and a, Yeah. Uh, and, and there have been other seasons where they're only two or three points out of a playoff yeah. spot, but have two or three teams between them in that playoff spot. Yeah. They only have to catch one team it's, right now. It's them. And, and I mean, it's funny. Nashville, de facto sellers right yeah. now. The, it's at has gone. Niederreiter's gone. Uh, Genoa's gone. They're one point back of the flames. With games in hand. And, yeah. and maybe the moves the Predators have made has taken some pressure off that maybe. team. Maybe. Because this has just been a season, and I said it quite some time ago, and I really did believe it was going to change at some point. It, it just it feels like a season that wasn't meant to be for the Flames. And, and that happens. Good players have bad games and bad seasons. Good teams have bad games and yep. bad seasons. It, and, you know, the Flames have played in an NHL high 37 one-goal games. Yeah. 37 of their 62 games have been decided by one goal. 13, 11, and 13. Yeah, and they have 24 one-goal losses, more than any team in the league. And the number of one-goal games and the number of one-goal losses aren't even close. Yeah. Right? I, but on the flip side, it's the loser points that still has them in the fight for a playoff spot. Exactly. So it's just been one of those years, and there's still time to, to rewrite to the end of this story. But it has to start with a win versus the Wild tomorrow night. Does anything show you in this group? And I know we, we they've got the team, they've got the players. This is a good group. But has anything shown you in the previous sixty-two games that they could go on a run here in the final twenty? Yes, the fact that I think individually they have underperformed mm-hmm. for the most part. There are exceptions to that rule. Uh, and collectively, they've yep. underperformed. Uh, everybody from the management group to the coaching staff to the players have said that. Yep. People outside the organization and outside the city and the hockey world yep. have said that. At one point in time, when I looked before the season started, the Flames were the favorite to win the Stanley they Cup. sure were. Now, I wouldn't have we're co-favorites bet on them with, or something with those like that. types of odds. Yeah. But that's how highly people thought of this team. Oh, yeah. And it just, for whatever reason, hasn't worked. And... Maybe we underestimated how all of the changes to the core during the offseason yeah. were going to impact this team. Those two were huge, man. Those yeah, two were and, absolutely massive. And and quite often, when you acquire a player, even an elite player, and Jonathan Huberdeau has been elite, yeah. not this season, but throughout his career, and Mackenzie Weger was trending in that direction. Sure. And I think he's been playing some great hockey, by the way. He's playing his best hockey as a flame right now, but... 
sometimes it takes those guys a season to really settle in. Yeah. And it, it certainly feels like Huberto is still trying to settle in. It, it looks like Uyghur finally has. Yep. Uh, regardless of who his defense partner is, uh, he's playing at a pretty high level right now. But and I think with the other guy, Kadri, I think this was like he was a free agent. Like, this was this was uh, this was a guy that was like this is kind of what you get with Nazem Kadri. I think yeah, yeah, last year with Colorado, that's a big bump. That's a good roster. He had a lot of guys around him. I think this is more of the Nazem Kadri that you got in Toronto is what you're getting here. Yeah, and and you know what's funny? Blake Coleman talked about maturity. I never in a million years thought that maturity would be in question with one of the older and more experienced teams in the league, yeah. with the number of Stanley Cups they have inside the dressing room and inside the coach's office. I, I did not think that that would be a concern for this hockey club. But mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying that it has been or that it is, but Blake Coleman did last night, yep. and he knows way more than we know. Yep. So that that's concerning, 62 games yep. into the season. So, yeah, they have the potential to get back in the race, but everything's going to have to come together pretty quickly here. And it hasn't through 62 games. So, you know, why should people believe that it's going to in the final 20? The only thing I would say, and what, what gives me hope their schedule and the fact that we've seen them play at a really high level against some of the best teams in the league. And we we've seen it this week. We saw it for three periods, three plus periods, I would say against the Bruins. And then we saw it for, I don't know. I liked the first period. I didn't mind the second period. I didn't like the third period. And that yeah. that worried me last night, Patrick. This is a team that should be playing desperate hockey. I'll ask you. Do you think they played with enough desperation in the third period when they had five shots on goal in a 1-1 game and then a game they were trailing 2-1 in? No, I, I thought that was, a, that was a group in Toronto that knew exactly what they had to yeah. do. And they, and they made it hard. them down and the flames daryl mentioned they don't have a guy that can take over a game right now he's mentioned it time after time after time they do not have a guy that can single-handedly marner his way through the defense and put it on net they have to win by committee and toronto is that they just broke them down i that like we talk about the flames they'll outshoot you first time i can't i don't know when was the last time they shot under 30 well, they're, they're second in the league in yeah. both shots for and shots against. Right? That sounds like, like, like a recipe <laughs> for success to me, but it yeah. hasn't been. And like, and, and it, it's been a season full, and I, I, I think I was the first person to say it, and I've sounded like a broken record saying it over and over and over again since I first said it. it it's been a season with all these one-goal games and all these one-goal losses where they've literally been one goal or one save away yeah. from turning no points into one point or one point into two points. And that's why they are where they are. And that's on the outside looking in in a playoff spot and in a really tough spot going into their final 20 games. But they've got a lot of winnable games. But they're going to have to to win the ones they should win against teams who are clearly not in the playoff race. But then they're also going to have to win games against the teams they're trying to catch. And that's the other good news. If you're a glass-half-full guy like me or a glass-half-full gal, you got two games against the Wild coming up. Two of the next three are mm-hmm. against them. You've got two games against the Kings. I look at the Kings and I'm like, how are they ahead of the Flames in the standings? <laughs> but what they've done is find ways to win. Because and the Flames have great. And you got two games against the Stars and you got two games against the Golden Knights and you got one game against the Jets. Yeah, Those are all proverbial four-pointers. Like, at least they are today. If you start to lose those games, then 
Uh, they matter way more for the other team than they do for the Flames. We'll, we'll do a tour of the Western Canadian clubs here uh, around the break. We'll talk uh, Oilers, Jets, Canucks, see what the heck's going on there. I know Winnipeg's got a massive home-and-home here Friday, Saturday with the Edmonton Oilers. And we know uh, Winnipeg has been kind of trending downwards, 4-5-1 and one in their last 10. Feels like Hellebuck's been riding a lot. He's been getting, of course, they're playing him a lot. Probably going to see David Riddick in one of these two here. So I'm just wondering... Winnipeg's got to be feeling like this was where a team where Winnipeg, they got their points early on. They put those points early on. They had a really good start to the year. This is where they're starting to come back down to earth a little bit. I don't know. I think that's the team you're going to be watching here. Is He's got to be watching the Winnipeg Jets. Yes, and I know that the Flames are closer to them than any of the other teams they're chasing. But I still think the Jets are better than the Kings, and yeah. I think they're better than the Wild. I mean, and I think they're better than the Predators. Them. But. Yeah, you know what? I give the Kings a lot of credit. What, what's what been the Flames' biggest Achilles heel this season, Patrick? They don't have like the killer. I, am I like, They don't have the killer instinct. That's been mine. I would say the single biggest thing is goaltending. Okay. It wasn't last night. Right, goaltending, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the Kings have had the same issue. Mm-hmm. The guy who was supposed to be their number one has spent most of the season with the Ontario Reign in the American Hockey League. Yep. That's been a huge issue for them. But they've somehow, some way found a way to overcome that. The, the Flames haven't, at least not yet. Uh, I still think when I look at the Flames roster and the Kings roster, I'll mm-hmm. take the Flames roster over the Kings roster every day of the week. Yeah, But the game's not played on paper, it's played on the ice. Yeah. And as Blake Coleman said last night, and there were so many takeaways for me with his post-game comments, some teams find ways to win and some teams find ways to lose. The, the Flames have found new and inventive ways to lose this season. And... Uh, <laughs> Tuesday night's game is a prime example of that. Yeah. Now, that might be to the extreme, but there have been a, a lot of games like that this season where they've out-attempted, out-shot, out-chanced, out-played their opponent, but they didn't outscore them. Yeah. So what gives me hope is that I know that this team has the talent to not only get to the playoffs, but win a round or two, especially in a wide-open Pacific Division and Western Conference, but it, it hasn't come together 62 games into the season, so I understand why they're... Uh, isn't a lot of belief out there that it's going to in the final 20, but I, I think about Jacob Markstrom, and last night was, in my opinion, the best game he's played this season. Mm-hmm. If he keeps playing that way, he will give them a chance to win every single game, yep. and then it's up to the 18 skaters in front of him. Yep. And they need to string some wins together here, A, because mathematically they have to do that to stay in the race. You're running out of time. But B, here. the other thing they've lacked this season, and I understand why, are all the intangibles. Belief, confidence, Mm -hmm. momentum, swagger. And it really has been a team that's gone from one extreme to the other. I'm sure you saw it the same way, Patrick. Last season, everything seemed easy for them. Making saves seemed easy. Scoring goals seemed easy. Winning games seemed easy. Hardly faced any adversity. Reminds me a little bit of the Bruins this year. This season, it's been the polar opposite. Everything has been hard, mm-hmm. and that wears on you. And hard, even like with the fact like they, they they've been healthy, and that like if you could point two to years the, in a row, if you could point like oh we're down our top defense man. I know Tanev's missed some time. He's missed ten what, games, but it's not like enough to really show no. you over a, a, a long season. It's not like I guess you know Shillington's a part of it. And Shillington is a big part. And I know the text lines are talking about it, and it's like I feel like if the team was in more solid a playoff spot, his personal matters and where what's going on wouldn't be such an issue because there's been talk about him going on LTIR here for the Flames to possibly get some more money. 
Uh, yeah, and I don't know about that, and I'm not going to comment on it yeah. because uh, the Flames have given him mm-hmm. the privacy that he's asked for and, and, that's all I want. and deserves, and I hope that he's doing better than he was, yep. and I hope he's back next season. But, yeah, you can't blame what's happened on no. No, they have being no. without Oliver Shillington exactly. or without Chris Tanev for 10 games not, or without Rasmus Anderson yeah. for a few. I mean, it's not like Huberto's been out. Or, yeah, or, they've been relatively healthy in comparison yeah. to other teams in their division and Look conference Look at Colorado, man. Like, I know it's a yeah. different... It's, it's, no, I shouldn't say it's apples and oranges. Those were the top two teams in the Western Conference last year. Colorado went through hell this year with injuries. But they've steadied the ship, and they're... Look at them now. Mm-hmm. Calgary, I know if Goudreau and Kachuk were that big and that massive, you take them out that this team is completely fragile now? Like, Yeah, that's part of it. I I mean, you lose two 40-goal, 100-point players, and that hurts anybody. Lindholm's hurting because of that. But but the funny thing is, you know, Lindholm was a point-of-game player last season, Mm -hmm. and he's not far off that pace this season. No, he's actually putting it in a really solid year. Yeah. Quietly. Tyler Toffoli's been fantastic. And I know there are some people out there, Patrick, that think the Flames should trade Tyler Toffoli. But here's how I'd push back. Mm -hmm. Since I've been calling games, which my first season was in 2014-2015, the Flames have been looking for a top six right shot right winger who could score goals. What does Tyler Toffoli do? (laughs) Right? He leads the team in goals and points. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they tried to, you can also talk to go through free agency. They brought in Troy Brower. That didn't work. You can it worked also, for a year, and then it didn't work anymore. And then they brought in James Neal. That really didn't work. For so, years, they couldn't figure out a center. And now they got now they center have, depth. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> if Trevor Lewis is your fourth-line center, yeah. you've got a good team. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a very versatile player, and he's had a pretty good season. Uh, but yeah, when I looked at this team, the reason I thought they could be better this season than they were last season certainly a better playoff team this season than last season, is because of their depth down the middle. You've got three, when they're right, fantastic 200-foot centermen in Elias Lindholm, Nazem Kadri, and Michael Backlund, who I think is playing the best hockey mm-hmm. of his life right now, by the way. And then you, you have a top five on defense, but that, that when they're right, are as good as anybody, probably. Yeah. You know, Nikita Zadorov, prior to the nine-day break, I thought was playing like a top four defenseman. He's, since? He's struggled since. Yeah. You can point to the Ranger then, game, the Boston game. I think we all expected the Flames to have one of the top goaltending tandems in the league with Jacob Markstrom oh, yeah. and Dan Vladar going into his second season as a full-time NHLer, and you know none of it's really panned out. Uh, I mean, other than the Backlund line, it's it's been a tough go for most of the team this season. Mm-hmm. Is there time? Yeah, there's time, but it's running out pretty quickly here. We'll park the Flames conversation here. Uh, we'll uh, re uh, we'll talk some Western Canadians uh, teams around the corner. Uh, another trade uh, team that the Flames are chasing. The Winnipeg Jets have acquired reacquired forward Vladislav Nemestikov from Ooh. the San Jose Sharks. He was just traded to San Jose from Tampa Bay yesterday in exchange for a fourth rounder in 2025. That's from Pierre LeBrun. So Nemestikov, I like that back as more scoring depth for the Winnipeg Jets. He knows the system. As well, not a new coach, but he knows the market for sure. Uh, I wanted to say our trade deadline coverage is brought to you by Tuxedo Source for Sports. It may be trade deadline season, but it's time to gear up for another great ball season. Southern Alberta's best selection of bats, gloves, and everything else you need to be on top of your game is at Tuxedo Source for Sports, 2520 Center Street North. Talked a lot here. We're going to hit the break here. Uh, talk about Oilers, Jets, Canucks around the corner here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Just a little over... Uh, 
I can't math. Three hours, a little under, well, a little over three hours to the deadline. Actually, two hours, 22 wow, minutes, and 14 seconds. Jesus. There Thank you go. You, Derek. I'm on 24-hour clocks. When I start seeing like ones or a second time, I'm like, what? We should just play the song. Yes. Roll out <laughs> Def Leppard. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, welcome back to our Sportsnet 960 trade deadline coverage brought to you by Tuxedo Source for Sports. It may be trade deadline, but it's time to gear up for another great ball season. Southern Alberta's best selection of bats, gloves, and everything you need to be at the top of your game is at Tuxedo Source for Sports, 2520 Center Street North. Talk about the club up north. Talk about the club on the coast and the one a couple, 16 hours, 12 hours to the east of us here. Western Canada's NHL group. The Edmonton Oilers, they uh, feels like their business has been done. You know, they got him, uh, Matias Ekholm. That was a guy, a very, real solid defenseman that they needed to go with, with playoff experience. Got some years left on his deal as well, but uh, just a really overall solid player. One of I think of Nashville Predator hockey. I think of Matias Ekholm. He's right up there with Roman Yossi and all the greats that played through that team. And they needed it on that defense core as well. They go out and add a, a good. Good center depth. Uh, played here. I played in the Arizona, the Arizona Coyotes. Nick Bustad only paid him four hundred fifty thousand. That's a real good deal. Are the Oilers? I mean, I think I think with zero dollars, and I don't think they're going to be wanting to move Kyler Yamamoto. I know there's injuries there as well, but we think the Oilers are going to do anything left, or is this uh, is this the group that uh, ninety seven and uh, twenty nine are going to be trying to win a Stanley Cup with? Well, yeah. Even if they do do something, that's that's who they've built around. Yep. Uh, you've got two generational players, and uh, that's a good starting point. Uh, they've got zero dollars in cap space, yep. so it would have to be money out, money yep. in if they were to make another move. Yep. So I don't see it happening. I really like what the Oilers have done. The one question I have is, you've got the best power play in the league, and you trade your quarterback. Yep. Now, we'll talk about that. Uh, I still think they're going to be fine because of the elite players they have, Mm -hmm. but a little bit of a risk moving Tyson Berry, but I also think they needed uh, a defensive defenseman, a a guy who can play with a bit more bite, and uh, that is Matias Ackholm. So uh, I thought that was a risky move, but I lean good as opposed to not so good on that one. We'll see how it all works out. The biggest question I have when it comes to the orders is in between the pipes Mm -hmm. because... uh, it has been an up and down season for Jack Campbell. I would say more down than up. And he's in year one of a five-year, $25 million contract. And Stuart Skinner has been the better of the two guys, but he's young and pretty unproven at 24. So uh, I do wonder about their goaltending, but they have a luxury that the Flames don't. They score a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And when you score the way the Oilers do, and they've been one of the highest scoring teams in the league again this season, you can cover up some of your other deficiencies. So I actually like the moves the Oilers have made as uh, we approach the 1 p.m. Mountain Time deadline. Uh, I like the addition of Matthias Ackholm from Mm -hmm. the Predators, and I really like the Nick Bugstad trade because, to your point, and I was shocked when I saw it, he only has a (laughs) $900,000 cap hit. One of them Arizona bargain basement hunting, you know, and a guy that's got a lot of experience uh, playing, uh, playing. And I think I like the I like the forward depth on the Oilers. I know there was talk if they could move Fogle out, if they could move Yamamoto out, that would be the two guys that you'd probably move. I like their depth up front. I, I think it, uh, that fourth line is going to be tough to play again. If Bukestad does center that with Darnay, 
or, and uh, Costin on it. It's gonna be tough to like that bottom six. Is gonna well, be tough Darren to... is a D. Well, they have left it on the right on the right side here. The played, I guess, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I, I, I like their. I just like their depth forward. I defensively, it just you know there it falls off. You got Darnell Nurse, Cody Cece, Matias Ekholm, Evan Bouchard. Broberg's a guy they're really helpful on for sure, but is he ready to take that next step forward? It, I, I agree. It might be the goaltending that ends up being the. the it thing. might not though. It could. You know, I like Clem Costin. Yeah, he he's the type of guy you need in the playoffs. He's big, heavy, mean, and when you're playing in a best of seven series, mm-hmm. part of your job is to wear the other team down. And he's a guy with the way he mm-hmm. skates and gets in on the forecheck, banging and crashing the other team's defensemen, mm-hmm. that will wear guys down over the course of seven games. Yep. You need players like that. And Bugstad isn't that physical, but he's a big guy and, mm-hmm. and can play that same type of role. But I like what the Oilers done, have done as much as it pains me to say mm-hmm. that. Uh, I think that they've put themselves in a good spot. And let's be honest, Connor McDavid... I didn't know if he could get to another level. Offensively, he is at another level. He might be at a level right now that nobody has ever been at. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, some of the stuff he does is utterly ridiculous. No, I I, I completely agree. And, and watching that Oilers-Maple Leafs game the other night, the Oilers won because of 97. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can single-handedly win a game for you. So uh, I like their chances uh, if they get the goaltending. Because I think at you might be able to win a round or two without above-average goaltending. I'm not sure you can win much more than that, though. Do you think the Oilers need to be a team that needs to get into a Pacific Division spot and have try to avoid Vegas or whoever wins potentially uh, Colorado? I don't think they have to. Just because I think of what ideally they have, you would like to avoid stuff. the Avalanche. Yeah. If you're in the West, you want to avoid the defending Stanley Cup champions as long as you can. You're probably going to have to cross paths with them at some point if you get to the Western Conference Final, assuming they get there. And mm-hmm. they haven't been healthy all season, but they're getting close to being healthy, as as healthy as, as, healthy as they've been anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, you're better off to finish top three in the Pacific Division because then you know you don't have to worry about that matchup mm-hmm. in the first or the second round. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Colorado's still six points back of that Central Division spot, but it feels like, you know, they got the games in hand. They got three yeah. in, in hand over both Minnesota and Dallas. And I guess you could even throw in Winnipeg if they still kind of think they're a division. But I feel like Winnipeg's going to be trying to fight here, trying to get into the I, second or third spot in the Central. I don't know about you, Patrick. Mm-hmm. I like the Stars. Yeah. I would actually be surprised at this point, and I know there's a six-point gap. I would actually be surprised at this point if the Avalanche didn't win the division. That's uh, that's what I mean. Like it's just it just feels like they've got three called, games in hand. Landeskog is skating this morning. Seven, two, and one <laughs> in their last ten. Gabriel Landeskog's getting close. Kale <laughs> McCarr back. I feel yeah. like with McCarr, they have to they have to be very careful with McCarr. With the two concussions in two weeks, absolutely. I don't think like I don't think this is a guy that we don't need him right now. This is a guy that you, we need him. For April and, and hey, May. you got to give credit to Bowen Byram, who's kind of stepped up, up and yep. filled the the huge skates left behind by mm-hmm. uh, Norris Trophy winner Kale McCarr. But yeah, the Avalanche are the team that scares me the most in the West. The Oilers might be second, and I know they're in a wild card spot right now. But just with the way Connor McDavid yep. is playing, I, I mean, man, oh man, they're they're scary. And when I look at the Pacific Division. For, for me, the Kings are in second place using a lot of smoke and mirrors. 
They have a plus one goal differential this season. Kind of where they've been all place, year. Right? Uh, the Kraken, they've started to fall off a little bit. Yeah. That's another team the Flames could catch. That was a big win for them last but night. But here's the big but with that one. No more head-to-head games. That's mm-hmm. how you close the gap quickly, winning yep. those proverbial four-pointers. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the Kings are, are more catchable, even though the Flames uh, are 11 points behind them. I mean, you've got a game in hand, and you've got two head-to-head games. So you're going to have to win that game in hand, and you're going to have to win both of the head-to-head games in regulation time. And then you've still got a lot of work to do. But uh, the, the Kraken are a team that is falling off. We'll see how they... Uh, end up finishing the season, but I didn't love their team at the start of the season. Uh, the goaltending has been a lot better this season than it was in their inaugural season. And that's probably why they are where they are. And then the golden Knights are a team that, uh, again, I question the goaltending. They're interesting today. Yeah. And I, I think the, them acquiring Jonathan quick, I would love as much as I would love for one of those two teams to miss, because maybe that means the flames don't, I would love to see a series Kings between the nice. Golden Knights and the Kings yeah. just for the Jonathan Quick factor. Yeah. And and I we talked about this with the Maple Leafs and with the Bruins. When you've got a team that's kind of been rolling mm-hmm. and you make a bunch of moves, mm-hmm. there's some risk involved there. Yeah. Now, the Kings haven't made a bunch of moves, but the move that they did make, bringing in another goaltender in Jonas Corposalo, mm-hmm. And a good defenseman, Vladislav Gavrikov. Probably the best available. But after... then shipping out Jonathan Quick. Yep. He was one of the big three left from those Stanley Cup teams. No, that's, that's, and and I just cool wonder guy. how that's going to go over in the dressing yep. room. It doesn't sound like it went over very well. Ooh. Now, winning could change that. And, and I don't know how much of an upgrade they got in goal making that move. They certainly upgraded their blue line. Mm-hmm. But when I think about the Sharks and how them letting Joe Pavelski walk impacted that dressing room. Yep. I wonder if the same thing could happen with the Kings. Totally. I I think like we heard it yesterday with Frank Cervelli, like they had the big win against Winnipeg, uh, Andy Kopitar with his historic performance and then going to the bus and they hand John quick the phone. It's Rob Blake Mm -hmm. thinks that it's a joke. He doesn't get them on the bus. I can only imagine the the feeling going in the, we talk about yeah millionaires, whatever, whatever. But, and I mean, he's fiery. Yeah. John Quick is a... Right? He is pissed off. He is mad yeah. right now. And if he can somehow... I mean, Vegas is still up and down with goaltending. I know John Quick hasn't been the best this year, but if Quick can be their guy, and who knows, man. Like, this could be a guy that Vegas has been waiting for for a while, and I think it's a good spark plug for that group that maybe need it. And I think they're starting to trend to where we thought Vegas would be. A little bit better now. Jack Eichel's starting to play a little bit better. I think he needs to round his five-on-five He's game. got to show me in the playoffs, though. Yeah, that's the thing. And that's the night we could get McDavid Eichel in the first round as a potential matchup as well. And yeah, that, that matchup isn't quite as uh, alluring as to alluring, me as yeah. it once was, as the one-two picks yeah. in that 2015 draft. I mean, McDavid's a hell of a lot better than Eichel. <laughs> With all due respect yeah. to Jack, Connor's on a completely different level. Yeah. Um, yeah, as far as the Golden Knights are concerned, again, big question marks in goal. Mm-hmm. And I would say that about every single team that's in a fight for a playoff spot in the Pacific I think Division. It's about six, uh, overall, of the 16 teams currently in playoff spots, I would think five or six are good with their goals. Yeah, like I, you could argue the Kraken have the best goaltending in the division. Who saw that coming? Now, you could argue that they don't, but I mean... 
You look at the Oilers, you look at the Kings, you look at the Golden Knights. There's nobody you can trust, don't have really. Logan Thompson. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily trust anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Jacob Markstrom has the potential to be the best goaltender in the division. He hasn't been this season, but the potential is there. When you look at the Western Conference, love the Stars goaltending. Mm-hmm. Huge questions when it comes to the wild goaltending with Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, the Avalanche... They don't necessarily need great goaltending. I think good goaltending is good enough for them, as we saw in last season's Stanley Cup playoffs. And, yeah, Connor Hellebuck's got a lot of wear and tear on him. He's had a really good bounce-back season. Yeah. Last year, Connor Hellebuck went through what Jacob Markstrom has gone through this year. Mm-hmm. Really, it's you're talking about an elite goaltender who just hasn't been able to find his A game on a regular basis in Markstrom, and that's uh, I think that's what we said about Hellebuck last season. Maurice quitting on them right before Christmas. Yeah, there. that was bizarre. I, that was a really it was a weird it was a weird team last year, yeah. and I think you're seeing more of what the true Winnipeg Jets are uh, right now with uh, with Hellebuck. But we'll, we'll talk Vancouver and Winnipeg next segment. We continue on with this Western Conference debate for sure. It's it's. It will be fascinating to see what what any of these teams do. Like, uh, does Colorado move something here? Do they want to get one more name? I think that Lar- I love the Lars Eller ad for them. Man. Like the Lars, Eller I like hit. it. I don't love it. I for me, he's a fringe guy. You I, can yeah. use him on your penalty kill. He's a bottom six forward. Doesn't move the needle a lot, but you know, generally I, it speaking, probably doesn't solve their second line center. Probably no, but no. by you, they've been doing that by committee with Comfer and and uh, Comfer's had a really good year. Um, Gen- generally speaking, good teams, that's what they do. They don't yep. make major changes. They yep. just kind of yep. tinker a little bit. You think about with the Lightning. And yep. for me, the Lightning are the standard <laughs> yep. because they've been a legitimate Stanley Cup contender for the better part of a decade now. Mm-hmm. They've gone to three straight Stanley Cup finals. You throw the conference uh, finals in there before this. Yeah, I mean, between Steve Eiserman and uh, Julian Brisebois, who I know really well because he was our general manager when I was with the Hamilton Bulldogs, he's a he's a genius. Mm-hmm. Like, he's literally a genius. <laughs> um both as a, a general manager and just as a human being, but they are, they're the bar that, that team is obviously in a window to win right now. Mm-hmm. And when you look at what they gave up to bring in uh, a guy who's going to probably play in their bottom six, but is the type of player that they love to acquire uh, on or before the deadline. Mm-hmm. And you look at some of the moves they've made in the past, like Nick bringing Paul. in Blake Coleman and, and bringing in Nick Paul. Yep. And they go out and get a guy from the Predators who I absolutely loved last season. Yep. And not just because he scored a bunch of goals as an older rookie in the league, but mm-hmm. because of the edge yeah. that he plays with. And and that's the thing. When I look at the Lightning, if you ask me to to pick a team to win the Stanley Cup right now, I would say the Tampa Bay Lightning. Because I absolutely love the fact that they've got a world-class goaltender. Mm-hmm. And it's been another good year for Andre Vasilevsky. Didn't start that way, but he's rounded into form. They've got a ton of star power. Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, Braden Point. Sorelli. Yeah, Mikhail Sergachev yeah. Has, has turned into an outstanding player. Victor Hedman. But then they've got the guys who can grind. Yep. And... The addition of Tanner Janot, I just love it because you don't need him to score goals like he did last season, Mm -hmm. but he can score goals. And when I think about the two Lightning teams that won the back-to-back Stanley Cups, one of the big reasons why they did is I believe they had the best third line in hockey. Mm -hmm. Blake Coleman was a part of that. Yep. So I think they 
might have the best third line in hockey again. And then you've got veterans like Patrick Maroon and Corey Perry. You know what you're going to get from them. They're heavy and they're hard to play against. I love that team. Yep. So that that's the other thing about the West. It's wide open. Mm-hmm. And the East is murderer's row. Especially, yep. well, I was going to say especially the Atlantic Division, Patrick, but even the Metropolitan Division yeah. now. Like, how much are you looking forward to that first-round series between Devils, the Devils Rangers. and the Rangers? That's going to be outstanding. Right back A to lot 94. like the first-round series between the Maple Leafs and the Lightning. Uh-huh. Who's going to get home ice advantage in that series? That mm-hmm. could be big. I would say less so for the Devils and Rangers because they're in the same neck of the woods. But, man, oh, man, the, the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, there's nothing like it. Nope. And when Gary Bettman was in town earlier this week, uh, the commissioner talked about that. You can't beat it. Nope. N- none of the major professional sports can touch the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's yep. so exciting. I think what you're seeing with Boston with their ads of, of Hathaway and now Bertuzzi, I think they've seen what Tampa Bay has done and they know what they have to do to Th- win. They're following that path, exactly. aren't they? Exactly. Garnet Hathaway, bottom six forward, yep. big, heavy, yep. hard to play against. And Tyler Bertuzzi isn't as big and heavy, but he's hard to play against. Yep. You know? Exactly. And, and the funny thing is, is he's had some uh, mix up with the Bruins yep. over the years. Is, but uh, you, you put that stuff <laughs> aside when you got a chance hey, to win a Stanley Cup. When the goal is uh, is a silver mug waiting for you in June, that's uh, you put your differences aside. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll uh, stop the conversation here. We'll take a break. Uh, come back. Uh, we'll talk a little Canucks, talk some Jets, and maybe there's some more trades. Uh, the latest trade is Vladimir Nemestikov going back to the Winnipeg Jets in exchange for some picks, uh, a fourth and a fifth rounder going to San Jose. This is uh, Vladimir Nemestikov's Fourth time he's been traded at the deadline, 2018, 2020, 2022, and 2023, tying Alan May. Uh, we'll park the conversation here. We'll uh, continue it on the other side. You're listening to Sportsnet 960's Trade Deadline coverage here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.